Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I am the romance novel veteran, big fan. And I am a man with no prior knowledge of romance novels. <laughs> that's We were recently quoted in a Bustle article, and that's how Clayton was described, and it just made me laugh for some reason. It is funny. I think what's making you laugh is that I'm referred to as a man. It's hard to think of you as a man. <laughs> yeah. I. It's hard to think of myself as a man as well. So... This was a big week for us. It was. We got a very nice email. Yeah, so nice. Yeah. So it was really sweet. I'm not going to say who it's from because she specifically told me not to. And I listen to rules. Yeah. For the most time. Uh, I I didn't put her name on our (laughs) show notes because I was like, I will say it. Uh Uh-huh. And I'll have to bleep it. Yeah. And it'll be awful. But because um, then it would be like, is her name like an expletive? <laughs> her name just fuck you. No, it's not. Um, and so she wrote us a, a very sweet email where she was introducing us to another podcast that um, she really loves. Uh-huh. Funnily enough, I am one friend away from this podcast, and that friend had also emailed us to get in touch. So, um, Romance Land is so yeah. small, right? It's very small. Um, although this is a self-care podcast, so oh, okay. romance is also self-care. Yeah. I would say for sure. Oh, yes. All right. I so. took care of myself during this. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry. This is, would be such an odd one. <laughs> uh, it's, okay. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and so she found out about us from the Sort of Awesome podcast, which we love. Mm-hmm. Um, Meg, the host of that, who is so sweet and we love as well. Um, so she says some nice things about there. And then uh, to describe us to the other podcast she was pitching us to. I feel weird saying what the podcast was for some reason. Why? I mean, it just. I don't know. It's Forever 35. I okay. Mean, it's not a secret. All right. Uh, so what she says about us is uh, learning the tropes. Uh, as soon as I dipped my toes into the tropey water, I was scandalized in the best way possible. I am 31, have birthed four beautiful children, and my body looks it. Your podcast and the books I have read because of it, a lot of Clay Pass's treasure trove, have helped me let go about the hangups I've had about my post-baby body. I have learned to trust my husband when he says or shows how into me he is. I have thought out in the bedroom. My marriage and our sex life thanks you. I have also realized that I have the ideal lover. I'm going to start crying. Like I don't know why I'm yeah. getting like, misty. Uh, I have the ideal lover, generous, adventurous, and respectful. As depicted by all these books, I am living the dream and I didn't know it. My eyes are open to how great uh, my reality really is. So very thankful. It has also helped me put my pull me out of my body shame spiral, get comfortable in my own skin, claim my sexuality, start initiating. So you're welcome, husband. (laughs) Uh, And trust my husband loves me as I am. You're both hilarious, and I love your matter-of-fact way of speaking. No beating around any bushes, and keep it up. Anonymous from Chicago. I don't know. I think more people should just read romance. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. That's the thesis, I think, at the end of the day. That's, that's where we always it. land. But yeah. it's, it is it is true. Yeah. But thank you so much for, for writing in Anonymous. We really loved reading that. It was really special, and we really... Um, felt that deeply, so so I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, and I, and I want to thank our uh, listeners in general mm-hmm. for reaching out, for sending us suggestions, for rating and uh, reviewing. You mm-hmm. guys are doing such a great job. We're we're a new podcast, and we don't do any advertising or anything really, other than everybody, all our listeners talking to each other and. That's so awesome to be part of a community like that. And we we really appreciate it. Yeah. And that's a great thing about like just uh, the romance community in general. I feel like we were new kids on the block and they really, everybody opened um, their arms to us. It was so welcoming and so sweet and so amazing. So I, yeah, really appreciate it a lot. So thank you, all of you. Yeah. Except, you know. Uh, who are you going to say? <laughs> Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> You got to get on it. You're missing out. It's not It's not a judgment against you. I'm just afraid mm-hmm. that Wyoming isn't getting the romance that they need in their life. Yeah. That's Where my me? Can worry. you hear me? That's where the University of Wyoming <laughs> is, and I think. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> um, I'll, I will fact check it, mm-hmm. and if it is wrong, I will edit it out. 
Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, so we read a great book this week. And I told you uh, before I... So this is uh, Forbidden by Beverly Jenkins. Edie awakened in a four-poster in a large room, barely lit by a turned-down lamp. Having no idea where she was or how she came to be there, she shook the cobwebs, dulling her thinking, and noticed she was wearing a man's shirt. Perplexed, her eyes moved around the room to a well-appointed sitting area and then to the face of a white man watching her from one of the chairs. Panic flared. She snatched the blanket to her neck and she drew back fearfully. Don't be afraid. You're safe. I'm Ryan Fontaine. My friend Jim and I found you in the desert. Confused, she tried to force herself to calm down so she could make some sense of this, but she couldn't. Watching him warily, she asked, Where am I? Her throat was dry as sand. She wanted water badly, but needed to solve the mystery of this first. Virginia City. And this place is... My bedroom. And I fell in love with her first. There is a documentary, I believe it's on Netflix, called Love Between the Sheets. And it's all about romance novelists. And she was uh, interviewed and she's just like, I fell in love with her. She's so badass and funny and irreverent and just amazing. So I've always wanted to read her. Um I also love Westerns. This was my first book by her I read. It was just like shocking to me because I think it's one of those things like I've wanted to, I've wanted to, I've wanted to, and then for no reason just ended up grabbing something else instead. That's going to change. We'll read more of her for sure, but I'm really happy that we read this book. What do you think of the cover? Oh, good. So I really love this cover. Mm -hmm. And what's really good about this cover is – I think, well, first of all, they're both very, very sexy. Yeah. Um, the way they're standing, I really love. Ryan, who is our uh, protagonist, the hero, hero mm-hmm. and uh, Eddie, who is our heroine, she's kind of facing, her back is facing Taurus, but she's turned her face to him a little bit. It's almost there, he's grabbing her while she's walking away, and she's giving him a look kind of like, not sure if she wants to be held. There's so much weight in this cover that I saw because Eddie is such a independent, strong heroine. She's probably one of the strongest heroines we've read so far, which I loved. And the way that she's looking at him is just so loaded, I feel like. And you only see like a third of her face. Uh Uh-huh. And whoever this model is... She's gorgeous. Well, she's gorgeous, but also like hire her for everything. Like she gave us so much in a quarter of her face. <laughs> she like, did. What do we? What happens when we get her face on? Who knows? It'll be amazing. Yeah, there's so much in this cover. Yeah, I love this cover. It's and so he's well yoked. He, I mean, gotta look at him. Look at him abs. Look at them. Look at those pecs. Yeah, the pecs are nice too. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. I was just taking a little <laughs> extra look at those pecs. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I love that cover. Great cover. What was this book about? Okay. So we already <laughs> mentioned our hero and heroine. So mm-hmm. we have Ryan, who is our hero, and he is an ex-slave who was... Uh, he, he, so, okay, let me start over. It's so hard. I don't <laughs> Do know why it's so hard. Start, no, no, no. Okay. The, no, because the, they want... <laughs> I got to give, it. they love when I do this. This is what they want. So it's very hard for me to like not give them what they want, but also for some reason I'm so bad at this. So Ryan is an ex-slave who uh, during the Civil War, he joins uh, the, uh, the, the Union. The union. <laughs> Did you? He joins the Confederacy. <laughs> Jesus. No, he joins the Union. So he joins the Union. Um, and he leaves his family behind, right? Well, also, his father is the is a white slave owner. Yeah, so his mother was an enslaved slave, woman. Yes, and so he and his brother Andrew, who is white, were raised kind of together when they were very young, and then once uh, 
once Ryan became old enough to do things, he became Andrew's slave. But Andrew never looked at him as a slave. He looked at him as brothers. So he wouldn't whip him. He wouldn't do all these things that the dad wanted him to do. Uh, so uh, there was a lot of friction in that. So after the plantation gets burned down, he he gall- Ryan gallops off into his future, which this is all done in kind of a prologue. When we cut to present day, which is after the war, Old West times, um, right? No, 1870s. Yeah. 1870s. We're introduced to Eddie Carmichael, who is a woman who is never has never been enslaved, but has had a very, very hard life. We find her getting mugged of the money that she was going to use and the ticket she was going to uh, use to get to California because she wanted to go to go west. And so she had already given up her apartment, given up her job, and she's got to figure out what she's going to do to make money to get to California, right? So there's several things that she does. She d- ends up uh, ride, like driving a mule for a family. She makes a little money there. She cooks for them because she's a cook. Mm-hmm. And this is very important, especially for me, because as we know, if you guys listen to this podcast, a very good indicator of whether or not I'm going to like a book is if the food makes me hungry or if it makes me want to vomit. If it makes me want to vomit, it's not a good book. but Or it's not as good of a book. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't want to say a book is bad just because the description of food makes me want to vomit. <laughs> but what I'm saying is the more important thing is that if I can read your description of food and it makes me hungry, this is a good book. Yes. And this book made me hungry. Mm-hmm. Eddie seems like such a great cook. She's making biscuits. She's making cake. She's making cookies. She would be making all this stuff, and someone would be like, "Hey, can you make uh, can you make these cookies for bake sale?" She'd be like, "I'm gonna make seven different kinds," and she would, and people would be obsessed with it. And yeah, and it, she was driving everybody else's like places out of business, and everybody was cool with it because they were like, "Well, her food's so good." Yeah, and she'd be like, well, "I'll make you a pie." When are you making this pie? Like, she had no time. I know. She's 27-hour days. Exactly. Let her breathe. Yeah. But it was, like, because this is a very slow, I don't want to say it's a slow book, mm-hmm. but it is a very atmospheric book. Where it's That's like, a good way of putting it. You you meet everybody. You meet a lot of side characters. There's a lot of just slice of life. And I really enjoyed it, especially our last book was Dragonbound, which was fantastic, but was just a lot it was so dense with things that happened. And this yeah. was more of a, a hangout. You're hanging out with these people, getting to know them. Yeah, which I really loved. But I, I did tell Clayton it's like an episode of Great British Bake Off where I'm just like, I'm just enjoying this so much. And I'm just watching a little thing come together. And I, ugh, all the food stuff, it was just like, it was like meditation. I loved it so much. And also her dream was to start a restaurant. That mm-hmm. was her big dream. And you could you could see like I was rooting for that the whole time. So every step she took, everything, because when she didn't have to wash the floors and could just be a cook at her the job that she gets from uh, Sylvie, I, I, I that was like this is such a great step for her. Yeah, <laughs> such a good career move. And moving uh, up the ladder, this is great. Yeah, you're not yeah. scrubbing floors. You're just gonna cook. That is great. Uh, but now, wait, so before we get that, so she got she gets mugged. So she gets mugged once, and then what happens is she's waiting. She gets to uh, Fort, Fort Collins, Collins and she, the, she was supposed to transfer to another train. Mm-hmm. Whatever is happening is the train is, is going to be delayed a couple days. Mm-hmm. So she's thinking, well, what am I going to do? This ball rolls up to her. It's a little orphan kid. She's really good with kids because she has uh, nieces yeah. from her sister, who is a very bad person, mm-hmm. Corinne. But she has two little cute nieces that she loves. And when she leaves uh, Denver, she's very sad about it. And she, yeah. I mean, I kind of knew they were going to end up at the end because that's what happens. But so the ball rolls, the orphan comes over. And number one, what we learned from a book we, we read before, Solace Island. Never trust a, an orphan Mm-mm. or an urchin 
mm-hmm. comes up. You don't trust them. No. This priest comes running after the kid because this is a whole scam, and I knew it was a scam, and I'm reading this book and thinking, Eddie, do not go anywhere with this priest. Do not trust this priest. This is the last person you should trust. So his name is Father Nash, supposedly, says, hey, I'm going to California. Come along with me. We'll get there before the train even gets there. And I was like, this is such a bad mistake. So she, gets, she, she goes with them. He robs her of all her money and kicks her out in the middle of the desert. So all she's so basically got... basically killing her. Basically killing her. All she's got is her, her cook pan or whatever it was, cook stove. cook stove, that she was carrying on top of her head. That's all she's basically got, and that and the clothes on her back. So she's walking through the desert. She passes out, and just so happens, Ryan and his best buddy Jim are out there, and they see her and save her life, mm-hmm. which is a huge deal because she could have just been out there forever and been She wouldn't have survived. No um, cover in the desert. Yeah. You yeah. don't survive that. And she had been out there for a long time. Like, they find her, and she's, like, passed out uh-huh. in not in a good way. Her lips are all chapped. She's got sunburned. terrible sunburn. Yeah. And I, th- and I think, at, like, he thought she was hot from the jump. <laughs> he saw her at her lowest and her He's worst. Like, she's still hot here. Imagine yeah. when she's walking around and talking. Exactly. So uh, he takes her back, and so Ryan is... Uh, he owns not only like the Union Saloon, which mm-hmm. is a saloon that um, is not segregated, as well as like a ton of other buildings and things in town. So he's sort of like the big, the big guy. He's a big muckety muck. He's part of the Republican Party, mm-hmm. and this was before the Republicans became what they are now. Yeah, back before then, the switch that happened in the fifties. So yeah, this was when this was when Republicans were the side that pe- people were on when they were. Uh, you know, for integration, for... For integration, uh, anti-slavery. Anti-slavery, I guess that's yeah. true. That's So, uh, and he takes her back and brings her to his, like, the upstairs of his saloon, basically his bedroom, where he nurses her to health with Jim and then hit one of his good friends, Sylvie, who owns the boarding house and the restaurant, and then Doc, who's the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Doc, Doc, who is a chef. No. <laughs> um, this, when she was, uh, this is how weird I am. Not weird I am, but this is how, like, sick I am about noise. I'm so oversensitive about noise. And I've gotten so much worse recently. I don't know why. Old age. No comment. <laughs> Cut out. I'm cutting it out. Um, so... He brings her up, and she's sleeping over top the saloon. And she mentioned something about it not being loud because, oh, it's a Sunday or someday where there's nobody in the saloon. My, I got agita. I was like, oh, she's going to have to try to sleep over the, the rowdiness of a saloon. That is a nightmare. Which she was out in the desert dying. And my thought was, well, at least it's quiet out there. Like, can you imagine clinking glasses? Like, oh, what, God. could there be anything worse? Honestly, I just got irritated when you said <laughs> clinking glasses. And also the muffledness of it, of, of not really knowing what you're hearing, but just knowing that it's noise, it drives me nuts. Yeah. Well, she survived it. She did. She survived the, the, the <laughs> muffled sound of clinking glasses. And Ryan immediately is like, I'm into her. Oh, yeah. Like, he pretty much sees her and is like, I loves her. Uh huh. Um, and it's sweet because they really start their relationship there, and that he is very like takes really good care of her. Understands that it needs to be a secret that she's there. I think because she's an unmarried woman, but also because she's black and he's white. Well, yeah, that's the one thing that we forgot to mention. Uh oh. So Ryan is uh, he was a slave, but he is fair skinned enough that he can pass, which yeah. is what they say in this book is a uh, African-American who it can pass as white. He made a decision to pass as white to, you know, get rich, m- make money, own businesses where he could help out uh, ex-slaves and African-Americans, right? So that's his big thing. So she per- she sees him as white. He identifies in his heart as as black and there is that big like there is that big they can't be together because she could get in trouble if she's with a white man 
So that's like a, that's like a huge part of this keeping them apart. Right. Because he couldn't have even like got loans. He couldn't, people wouldn't go into business with him or, or if they did go into business with him and they treated him poorly, he wouldn't be able to have any retribution. Mm-hmm. Like it would have been, he couldn't have done any of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's part of it too. So, and Eddie, I think she likes him. She's intrigued, but she finds him very handsome at the beginning. She has that like that that uh, semi awake dream where she's still recovering and he's over top of her, and she touches his face in a very uh, romantic way, and she kind of she feels like she dreamt him because mm-hmm. when she sees him again, she's like, "It's the guy from my dream." But she had been like having a waking dream, and he's got. Jet black hair, beautiful green eyes. He's a fox. Mm-hmm. Every he's with a girl right now who They're he's engaged. He where who he's marrying for political reasons because it will help his standing. Natalie, who is a wackadoodle. Yeah, um, from the beginning, from the jump, she gets up real wacky at the end. But like even the first time you see her, you're just like, this bitch. Well, yeah. Well, she's very attractive, but also very mean. She's one of those people that when you see them, you're struck by their beauty and then they open uh, their mouth and you are then downgrade them to, I can't even be in the same room with this person. I don't want to see them ever again. Yeah. So then she gets moved over to Sylvie's boarding house. Sylvie has recently lost a cook. And so she makes food. It's awful. She burns everything. Yeah, Sylvie just her heart isn't in it. <laughs> yeah, she has other things to do. And she, she admits it, it. Yeah, she's like, I'm awful. I'm awful at this. Uh-huh. Everyone hates it. Um, and yeah, and like you mentioned it, and Eddie is so excited because she's like, oh, I don't have to scrub the floors or do all of this extra labor. Like I can just really do the thing that I love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does. Yeah, and she's a massive success. Oh, oh! but what I was saying, what I liked about that first bit of them in the boarding house together is like you really felt that sexual tension from the beginning. But Uh then they aren't really alone together for a significant amount of time. No. That's like kind of the slice of life. We just kind of follow them as they exist in this town. But like they don't really see each other that much. Well, the funny thing, though, is that they always seem to end up at the same place together Mm -hmm. because the town is so small He'll, uh, Sylvie will be like, you need some new, you need a new dress or something. And she'll, like, okay, I'll go to the, the, ta- the tailor or whatever. And then, uh, Ryan will be there with Natalie cause she's getting her wedding dress hemmed and they're kind of just passing by each other and running into each other, but they don't have, like you said, those separate times together where they can be intimate yeah they're not like stealing kisses or anything no so then she starts really really trying to date clayton's favorite character (laughs) zeke sad zeke (laughs) poor zeke i can't i don't i'm still trying to untangle why something about zeke just resonates so deeply with me he's the town carpenter (laughs) he's very sweet he's very sweet he lives in a boarding house as do i uh, <laughs> I live in a sad man's boarding house. As of now, mm-hmm. not going to be forever. No, it will not. Because eventually I'll die. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll put you in Greenwood, and then that'll be the end of it. Um, but the thing with Zeke is that he seems like a nice guy. Uh, he's respectful. He's kind of boring, but he there is a sadness inherent with him. And, and one of the things that really got me was... He went to a ice cream social and he oh, brought God. he brings Eddie ice cream from the social that is pretty much just goop. It is it is it, it, it's just like all melted and he gives it to her and she's thankful for it because it's a sweet gesture. But it shows his character in such a way that he's he that's that's his gift to her is melted ice cream i know and he was so sweet and earnest Uh uh-huh and you could tell like he would make somebody a really good husband but also he'd be boring as fuck well (laughs) well that's the thing that's so painful too because it's like he was so sweet and so earnest and so genuinely liked eddie 
that and you knew because like obviously she's gonna end up with Ryan like there's a romance novel yeah. you know how it's gonna go but it was Zeke is not our hero <laughs> I know which was such a bummer and then I looked ahead to see if Zeke maybe got his own book and he doesn't as of yet okay and that doesn't mean we can't stop start um hoping he gets one and we can't start campaigning for that well that's because this book is based on a character Ryan who when you read we read the afterword and the author said people have been asking for his story for 10 years she calls she calls those people affectionately her Ryan whiners <laughs> which i love that she's given her fans this like nickname of complainers basically but i think it's really cute and yeah. sweet and i love that there's that affection there but we need to have zeke's story zeke needs his his hero's journey zeke weepers yeah <laughs> So there is an orphanage uh-huh. um, that takes in children of all races. Um, so we love it. It's run by an ex-nun. So we love that. Yeah. No longer a nun. Perfect. And then, um, <laughs> no, I I love some nuns. I'm friends with nuns. They're great. You're um, friends with nuns. <laughs> is that a true statement? I've been friends with nuns. I'm <laughs> some not, of my best friends are nuns. Not some of my best friends are nuns, but I've like hung out with nuns before. Like they're they're nice. They're fun. To someone who has had buried the uh, the uh, news that they had been at a moon circle the, <laughs> the night before the recording, <laughs> you hanging out with a bunch of nuns actually should not shock me. <laughs> you could have just come from hanging out with a bunch of nuns. Uh, I haven't hung out with them in a while. I'm okay. not going to say like we're still currently friends, but like <laughs> and they were young. They were young nuns. Yeah. Um, mm, tell me more. <laughs> they were very. They're very sincere as well. Good. Um, and uh, so they run into each other a lot at this orphanage because Ryan um, has sort of taken, um, uh, really became affectionate with these twin boys who are kind of Helians. And he really is the only one who is like a really positive male role model in their life. They're pulling pranks. These two little kids <laughs> are having so much fun with each other. Yeah. They're, they're like throwing snakes in people's, uh, uh, people's drawers and stuff. Right. Um, I think they even pulled the old like, oh, look through this thing and putting the the polish. I mean, they're little rapscallions. Yeah. They're always on punishment. They're always not getting dessert because they're like pulling pranks. But they're so sweet. But you do love them. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And then so Eddie organizes an auction for the uh, to raise money for the orphanage. It ends up yeah. going really, really well. Um, well, Ryan. Ryan Brings pulls something like a fast. weird, like dick measuring thing. I didn't love it. Just because, because Zeke brought a window, which is great. And you were amazed by it, but I'm like, windows were expensive. Like, how did you get glass N- back then? But like, it's such a surrealist thing to bring for me. Like the idea of having a window independent from the outside <laughs> of a building. He brought a, and he made it a surprise. He wouldn't tell her what it was. So he brings a crate with a window in it. And I'm like, this is some Dada shit. <laughs> but uh, Zeke knows that Eddie's kind of into Ryan and definitely knows that Ryan is into Eddie. And so to Zeke, Ryan is a white dude who is going to exploit her because all he knows is white people exploiting black women. So we kind of understand why Zeke would be upset. Also, Ryan is rich. He is Zeke is a modest guy. He doesn't have a lot of money, but he's got a trade and that's great. Um, so Ryan brings a bottle of champagne that he pay. Like he basically, uh, bids on it more than anyone could ever bid. And then gives it to, to, to the people there that are having a, a wedding anniversary and says, here's my gift to you. Yeah. And I guess that's cool, but he could have just given them the champagne and given the orphanage money and not made a show out of it. It seemed I didn't love him in that. It was dick measuring. And there was a bit of dick measuring going on under. I I get it. Yeah. Like he also wasn't thinking he could be with Eddie and then Zeke could because Zeke and Eddie go out on a date a different night to a concert at the union um, at the bar Mm -hmm. at Ryan's bar. And Zeke kind of knows mm-hmm. there. And at this stage, um, Eddie and Ryan had kissed. In the, in the, in the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. And then basically Eddie, like they can't take their eyes off each other. So Zeke is sort of like, 
you know he's never going to marry you. And she's like, I know. So heartbreaking. And then he's like, well, let's just go home. And he's kind of like huffy about it, which is understandable. Like he's not rude to her, but he's disappointed, which is fair. Yeah, he sulks around the rest of the book. But and he's kind of frigid. He won't really say anything to them. He, Like you said, he's not outright mean. He's not, He didn't say anything mean to Eddie. He just got really cold. Yeah. Which is all understandable. Mm-hmm. And I hope he did find love. Um, so then... Yeah. What else? So then it's like the auction. And then after the auction, they sort of, uh, Ryan ends up driving Eddie home and basically decides like, fuck it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come out as who I am. We'll see what happens. And, but I need to be with this woman. And it was really sweet. Yeah. So he, he has to do some preparations. He transfers basically everything into his white brother's name so that he can, you know, he doesn't lose everything, which is like, well, it's heartbreaking. It's well, like, no, it was cool when people turned on him and they were saying, I want my deed back. And he's like, mm-hmm. I sold my deed to my white brother, so fuck you. Yeah. And they're like, Just try it, asshole. I <laughs> yeah. still own your house. Oh, yeah, because he had broken up with Natalie. He broke up with his uh, fiance. Oh, yeah. Well, after he met Eddie, he was like, This is it. I can't. You suck. <laughs> yeah, you're awful. This is the worst. And uh, she is uh, acting like a petulant child. And then it, we learned that um, Ryan owns the deed to the her father's home because he lost it in a card game. I know. Smart. So many people in these books, that's a trope. Winning things in card games and losing things in card games. Oh, yeah. We have people who've lost their houses. We have people who've lost their daughters. We have people who also have... Lost their titles. Lost their titles. Yeah. And people Gains who've their gained titles. their titles Listen, through gambling. Listen, it goes gambling. both ways. Sometimes you win. Should I start gambling can't hurt yeah if you walk in here as an earl i'll be be like seems right then he and eddie um end up getting married well so they they don't have then quick before that yeah well what i was gonna say is we gotta talk about the finger banging because the finger banging yeah he fingers her like twice oh yeah which is so he makes her he doesn't make her he sits her on his lap and he asked her to unbutton her uh, her dress, show them things, and then just fingers her. And she has such quick orgasms because she's never had one before. And that was really cool. Like, I loved how, you know, she just gave into it and was like, I'm just going to I'm just going to do this. And she was so, like, surprised by the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, didn't even know what it was. And it's so funny, too, because he's like, that's an orgasm. Yeah. And then they were later like. Do you want another orgasm? Uh-huh. And she was like, yeah. Of course, who wouldn't? They were so bad. Like, they were both so frank about sexual things that it really did make me laugh. Because they were just like, uh, he was like, undo your buttons. He's like, thought you never asked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a fun game they had where yeah. they would go someplace and he'd be like, uh, you want to start unbutton those buttons? <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty great, too. Um, but then when they, so <laughs> what happens is. That was my one thing about this book. And we I did really... have a little bit like at the end of Dreaming of You where Joyce steals her. Yeah. this It's pretty much the same thing where at the end, Natalie kidnaps her and brings her out in the desert to kill her yeah. once and for all. And there ends up being crossfire. And then... Well... Oh, no. She shoots Eddie in the back. Twice. Yeah, kills her driver. Oh, that poor driver. I know. What he didn't do nothing. He didn't do anything except for try to help Eddie. Yeah. So she gets shot. Natalie goes to the nut house. They send her to the nut house because she's red. I mean, she's rich, so she can get away with it. But the cool thing is that he he basically uh, Ryan basically says to the father, "I own your house." I own, well, I owned your house. Now my brother owns the house mm-hmm. and I wasn't asking for payments and you better believe he's going to ask for payments. But so you better give him money or you're going to be living on the street. And I think we're assuming that this guy is going to be living on the street. Yeah. Right. So she survives two gunshot wounds. I mean, how tough do you get? Survives two gunshot wounds. She, uh, him and her get married, Right. Well, they were engaged. They had announced yeah. that they were engaged. She gets kidnapped. During the time she's recovering, her sister has sent her two daughters to um, 
to uh, Eddie, we yeah. realized some very tragic things and messed up things have been happening to those girls. So uh-huh. we're very happy now they're in a safe place. Yes. So now they're married and they have the two kids mm-hmm. that they're gonna that they're gonna have to deal with because <laughs> they seem like handfuls. <laughs> Raise the kids. Yeah. I'm sure she'll be good with them. The the one thing though I will say is when you said it was a western. I was thinking gunslinging. I was thinking, you know, old mm-hmm. school kind of Western that I, I know of. And this takes place in the West. And there was, so Father Nash shows up in the, in, the, in the town and he tries to assault Eddie again. And Eddie hits him over the head with a bottle. And, and uh, Ryan does pull a gun on him and says, mm-hmm. you get out of town or I'll, I'll plug you. He doesn't say that. <laughs> but I was, I so wanted them to do, vigilante justice i wanted a bullet in his head i'm so sorry but i know he didn't actually assault her but he tried to assault her uh and i really wanted to see him get smoked but he didn't no he doesn't he ultimately gets brought to prison but yeah we don't really see it it happens like off the but, i mean it was the wild west they can get away with it we'll read this isn't gonna be the last western like yeah. we will read a lot more western so i feel like you'll get the gun slinging Mm-hmm. cattle drives this is just sort of a slice of life yeah um and i did like it too because it's just such an interesting time the 1870s especially for black people because it was such a uh just so much was happening and it is nice that it was like a town where we spent so much time in the black part of town yes like, obviously we're both white the culture caters everything to us we read mm-hmm. normally majority white stuff yes so it was just to so it's easy for the West to get whitewashed and there just wasn't black people. Uh-huh. Just like obviously a lie. Would you fuck him? Oh, I mean, <laughs> so Ryan, I would definitely fuck. Yeah. I mean, the one thing about Ryan is that, okay. So I want to make a distinction because I don't like modern millionaires slash billionaires. I was wondering about this, but Somebody like Ryan, who I feel like it's so much harder to be rich back then, especially coming from where he came from. And what he does with his money is so important. Helping black businesses open and stay running. having uh, Giving money to orphanages, things like that. Those are the things that in the modern billionaire books, or at least in when I watch movies and stuff, they have other people giving them, or they show up at charity events and it's all PR. In a sense, it was PR for Ryan because he was a part of the Republican party, wanted to be voted into the cabinet and all this stuff. But there was a genuineness and a use of that money that I thought was good. And And he was truly self and he was truly self-made. There's so few self-made millionaires or billionaires anymore that there's it's just it, it's not sexy to me. Him having money was not the defining characteristic either. He could have been a guy that was just kind of well off and be dashing and do these things, and I would I would still be hot to trot for him. <laughs> so that was the distinction I would make. Modern millionaires and billionaires I don't find sexy, but I mean. Look at uh, my beloved Derek Craven. Yeah, he's rich as fuck. But you know what? He he did it on the streets. Mm-hmm. He was selling that ass. <laughs> yeah. Right. So not that that's you know, but he did what he could to make a living, and he was a good guy. He helped people out. He helped out his friends. So that's the distinction I like to make. So him being rich does not make me not want to fuck him. I would most definitely fuck him because those green eyes. With with the with the like the jet black hair, her definitely, because she's so badass. She, she wouldn't fuck me though. That's the thing. She'd have yeah. no time for my bullshit. No, no, no. So no, no. I would like to, and I would have my hat in hand and be like, "Would you?" And of course, she'd say no. <laughs> um, but if the chance, if whatever, she falls on very hard times, <laughs> um, and wants a little bit of company there, then I definitely would have sex with her. But I don't think she would have me. <laughs> <laughs> She's too good for you. She is. Yeah. I Yes, to both of them, for sure. Yeah. Eddie would, would make a nice meal afterwards. He'd be treated real nice. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely do. I mean, here's the thing. I'd be dishwasher 
mm-hmm. with that situation. It would be yeah. like, you cook, but you ain't cleaning anything. I'm doing all the cleaning afterwards. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, would you fuck Zeke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it a pity fuck, though? Yeah. Oh, you can't throw him a pity fuck. That's worse than not fucking him. I guess. I have poor Zeke. I know. I would set him up with somebody. I'd have to find him somebody. I'd use my powers. Yeah. Goodreads lists. I love the Goodreads list. This has got to be on a bunch, right? Yeah. Okay, good. A lot of them were also the very, like, uh, factual ones, which aren't as exciting. Yeah. Okay, escapist literary books with strong female characters. She was strong as hell, yeah. Sylvie, too. The only, yeah, all of the women were strong, uh, at least the ones that we were supposed to root for. Interracial historical romance. Yes. Which this is fascinating because at first it, 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 I mean, it isn't, so it is interracial, but it's not. Yeah. Which is, yeah, the little twist of this. <laughs> and then it's not. Yeah. Uh, best romance series following families. This is the first book in a series. Okay, So yes. then it's her and her nieces. Oh, cool. Yes. Hashtag read POC lists of romance, romance books by authors of color. Fact. Best historical romance covers. I mean, oh, I yes. love this cover. This was maybe one of the best covers we've seen. Yes, other than the new Lisa Claypass. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't read that book officially. That's we just true. really hyped it up. You're right. Uh, NPR's best books of 2016. NPR best, what is that? That's National Public Natural Radio. <laughs> Paranormal Romance? <laughs> Normal Para Romance. <laughs> I just liked it because I was like, way to go NPR putting a romance novel on there. I just appreciated them for yeah. that. Uh, books about forgotten history, people, and events that don't get taught in history class. Well, that is true. Yeah. Because you were mentioning uh, that she's, uh, well, we both read the, the end of this book. There's like an acknowledgement that Eddie is based on a story about a woman who was seen in the desert where, with her crockery on her head. Um, and we don't know what happened to her or anything like that, but that's what the author based this on was that care, that, that story, which is crazy that that really happened. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Did you write down tropes? I did do my tropes. I always do my homework. Let's see. All right. All right. Western, mm-hmm. finger banging, <laughs> rich hero, poor heroine. Yeah. Interracial, but not romance. <laughs> uh, pining hero. Mm-hmm. He's the fresh scent, fresh scent of pining hero. He's got to be on that list because he does pine. Mm-hmm. Um, untrustworthy priest, <laughs> precocious slash mischievous orphans. <laughs> Strong heroin. I have this in all caps. Republicans. <laughs> Politics. Virgin. Hiding true self. Unbuttoning, which she does a lot of unbuttoning. Surrealist auction items. <laughs> it's just you, though. No, it's so bizarre. Yeah, okay. Um, and then I also have... Oh, a- African Prince... An African princess because they're they talk about in this book that they are descended from African oh, okay. royalty, mm-hmm. so they're princes and princesses. Yeah. So I had Western hero hiding in hi, Western hero hiding true identity, heroine in peril, rich hero poor heroine, hero saves heroine, heroine is sick and has to stay in the hero's bed. That happens a lot and it's great. You love that trope, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is it about Let that? Let me that give you... me some convalescence. So, okay, yeah, let's unpack this because you just want to be not have to do anything. No, I'm not saying that I because I'm lazy because it's like. But I no, I'm not saying that pejoratively. I'm just saying like there is a romantic notion of having to kind of not have those other burdens. You know, not being lazy, but you you deal with so much shit every day. And if you're convalescing, and especially when you got a sexy guy hanging out, helping you out, that is a very romantic ideal, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not saying that you're lazy. Like you, that's yeah. So rude. But that's how you. I mean, is that kind of wh- where the attraction no, is? No, I think it's just like that. You would be forced to be in somebody else's space, and you can't leave that space, and that mm-hmm. you're like attracted to that person, and they like come and visit you, and I don't know. And the sheets smell like them. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And then I just had found family slow burn romance. And it's pretty much a closed door romance, but I guess he does finger her a few times. But I did feel like the sex was very like, I don't know. Well, when she loses her virginity, it's it's painted in such broad strokes. We don't know how big his cock is. No, we never see it. We never see it. Yeah, he never whips it out. I mean, obviously, when they have sex, he does, but we don't get a description of it it's not that kind of book because at the the end of it it was like this really like detailed description of his penis and like a diagram it'd be very out (laughs) it it, it would stick out yeah i mean in the book and also stick out (laughs) from his pants just forward (laughs) yeah so what has you swooning this week oh are we already at swoons we are wow wrapping it up okay so my swoon is about a movie that when this podcast comes out, the Oscars will have already passed. And this is a movie that I think was underrepresented at the Oscars. I think it was a beautiful movie that I really, really enjoyed. It was called Can You Ever Forgive Me? <gasps> and it stars Melissa McCarthy. As it's, Now, what I'll say is that I love Melissa McCarthy I love pretty much everything she does. I love her broad comedies, but she is such a great actor and she doesn't get much credit for it because she can be so broad. This is such a, did you see this movie? Yeah, I loved it. It's such a heartbreaking movie. Richard it's, E. Grant. He was, he's nominated. Yes. Also not going to win. Um, unfortunately he's amazing. He's thrilled to be there though. Uh, that, that's the best thing. I mean, just follow him on Instagram. Oh, You'll see so he will have lost and, uh, he will still be taking pictures with everybody at the, uh, the after parties, <laughs> So sweet, which is great. And this is such a quiet nomination for her. It should be such a big deal. And I, but it's being overshadowed by a lot of all that Oscar bullshit that I love so much, but it's unfortunate that this movie got overshadowed. It is nominated for a lot of stuff. I mean, best adapted screenplay. It is a female director. It's a female director, female writer. Mm-hmm. The person who adapted the screenplay is somebody who wrote a movie that I really love. Uh, uh, Enough said. Nicole Hall of Center. She's yes, with, uh, the movie with James, Gan- James Gandolfini and Julie Louis Dreyfus, one of my favorite romantic movies. This is in in a time when the Academy is wanting to be my murder verse and nominate more women and things like that. The fact that the director did not get nominated for this is, you know, it's, it's such a well done movie and somebody like that should be nominated and not, it it has nothing to even do with gender. It's just a great, greatly directed, greatly written, awesomely performed movie that you should check out if you haven't seen it already. Mm -hmm. So that is my swoon. Yeah. That's a really good swoon. Aaron, what are you swooning about this week? So I feel in light of me going to moon ceremonies and being friends with nuns, it's gonna this is gonna <laughs> seem out there as well. Oh, I'm so happy. And I'm really painting a picture of who I am. So two weekends ago, I I went to an event, and unfortunately, this is the last time this event will ever happen. Otherwise, I would tell you all to go immediately. Mm-hmm. But it is uh, it was. Um, the experience at the School of Womanly Arts. It's put on by a woman named Regina uh, Thomas Shower. Mama Gina is what she's called. And uh, she wrote a book called Pussy, which I would say everybody should read. I, it's a little bit out there. There are parts that are a little bit out there. The thesis of the book is basically that we live in a patriarchal society Um, which devalues the feminine and women therefore have to devalue the feminine within themselves in order to participate in this patriarchal society. The way that we can switch that on its heel is having women really honor the feminine parts of themselves um, uh, to sort of bring that balance back. Because masculinity isn't inherently bad, but it's just out of balance. Yeah. Um, and this also doesn't mean that you have to be like wear lipstick and high heels and and be that sort of way because there was definitely like um, uh, there were trans women there. There were very, um, butch women there. Like it, it's, it's more about really tapping into your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is really great. She calls it like listening to your pussy. I think that's kind of like a buzzy thing. I think it is for like the, uh, the part of you that's authentically you yeah. uh, and honoring that. So she does that through a lot of different ways. But the way that I have since going to this two day event, that it was, was a two day event. It was a two day event at the Scrollball Center at NYU. So it's like a big venue. Did you sleep over? No, like it was at home <laughs> at the end of the day, but it was like, um, you're all bunking together. I would, I mean, I would have loved it. That would have been cool. I love women so much that I would have been like, oh, a sleepover with 800 women? Like, great. great. I got brought my sleeping bag. Yeah, it was 850 women, all ages, from all over the world. Like, it was really fantastic. But something that we were taught there is the art of bragging. Mm -hmm. So basically what you have to do is um, you introduce yourself and you say, I brag. And then you really own something about yourself that you have done, that you feel powerful about, that you... um, anything Mm -hmm. and so my friend and I were there we did it we really got the power of it immediately because basically mama Gina would walk around in the crowd and she would just pick a woman and the woman would have to do it in front of 800 people so it was like a little bit terrifying but really empowering Mm -hmm. so then we went out to dinner um, me and that friend with about six other women and we were like we're gonna have them brag and they're gonna hate it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we're going to make them do it. Yeah. So we did. We waited to the end of the dinner. We'd all had bottles and bottles of wine. We were full of Chinese food. And we were like, ladies, we're bragging. And so she went first. Then I did like a very silly, really big one. And then we went around the table. And it was just so powerful to see these women that I knew and I'm friends with and, and some who were new what they picked to exemplify what they were most proud of about themselves or their lives or something they had done was just so powerful to witness and to celebrate, to have them say this thing. And they would start a little bit quiet and by the end they were yelling and we were all like clapping and it was such a beautiful moment. And we all left and we're like, I think we're best friends for life now. Like, should we all get on a group chat? So my swoon is bragging, but is to pointedly ask your female friends to brag in a way that says I brag and you brag it and it is so powerful and it gives people such license to celebrate the things about themselves that they love Um, and watching that happen to a woman and watching a woman come alive in that way in a way that they have to normally keep things secret was so beautiful that's great yeah so send us your brags at learningthetropes at gmail.com also your recommendations for books anything you want to say say hi we love hearing from you you can tweet at us at learning tropes or our instagram is learning the tropes where we get the most activity so you're a visual crew and i, I like that that's yeah. where i like to be most of the time too and aaron's doing a great job of posting stuff on there and getting people excited about the books that we're going to be reading in the mm-hmm. next month and stuff i always like check it because there's always cool stuff and <laughs> it's a surprise to me because i don't post it no yeah. And you don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm shy, like, uh, to comment. You commented to Jen Reed's romance, and that was it. You commented to one person, you chose her, you did it, and then you walked away. And it's not anything against anybody else. I'm just shy when it comes to commenting. I'll, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll get a little bit bolder. I'm still a guest. Don't want to ruin the party. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. And so then the next episode is going to be Scoring Off the Field by Naima Simone very excited about it's our first sports romance it is the only thing that came close was like proposal had baseball in it but it wasn't about about baseball he was a doctor Mm -hmm. um so check that out read that i'm excited to jump into that and then we'll see you next week yeah thanks guys Bye. bye